0: and welcome to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you who are dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, faith leaders, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that unfortunately you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm a growth evangelist as well as a fellow widower. I lost my beautiful bride, Judy, some five years ago. We were married for 19 years. My guest today, Pastor Joseph Thompson.
1: Thank you, Tom. It's so good to be with you today.
0: He is an entrepreneur and a business leader. He's the co-owner of Rehabith uh, Home Healthcare Services. He's a man of faith and has served in ministry for over 30 years. Uh, Most recently, serving as the Executive Director for Spiritual Development at one of the fastest growing congregations in the country, which is Action Church here in Central Florida. Uh, Prior to this, he served as pastor for Primal Church, also The Well, and New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, With his great spiritual leadership experience, uh, Pastor Joseph, I'm happy to announce that he is now on the board here at Growth Through Grief. And he's here to guide our spiritual content and our purpose in faith and service, which is a strong part of what we do and aim to do for the widowers. Uh, and for those watching the program who can see Pastor Joseph clearly, you can see he's a man of fitness. Uh, he was a CrossFit owner back in the day. He's a head coach and a judge. And as we dig in, I'm sure we'll uncover many more dimensions to what makes Pastor Joseph, Pastor Joseph. So Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you, Tom. And with your audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the widowers welcome you. So over the years, I'm sure you've counseled many who've experienced loss, Pastor Joseph, including widowers. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think it's best first that I, I start from the premise of my own loss, uh, because people tend to be able to identify more with someone who's experienced somewhat similar uh, uh, a somewhat similar journey because they feel like they can identify more with that person's story. So, um, yeah, I've counseled thousands of people. That's not an exaggeration at all. I've been in ministry uh, for uh, nigh on 40 years. So that would um, be a lot of time to have counseled with people. But in my own personal journey, um, in a series of six years, beginning in 2008, I lost my mother-in-law. Now you might say, well, that's not as personal because it's not your actual mother, it's your mother-in-law, which is true. As close to her as I was, she's not my mother, but the grief strikes differently because of how it impacted my wife and how it impacted my wife directly impacted me. And so uh, that was where that journey began. Two years later in 2010, my father died unexpectedly, mm-hmm. suddenly. That was devastating. Um, I, I, I felt orphaned, even though my mother was alive. I felt orphaned because I realized at that stage that there's no season of life or age that you get to where grief becomes easier to bear.
0: Mm-hmm. The lost,
1: the lost ones. So that was that. And then 2012 was the greatest devastation of all, because I lost my baby sister at the age of 43 Mm. in a plane crash. So in a series of six years, every two years, a family member had died. And I became sort of paranoid and unsuspectingly began to, I never was angry with God. I never expressed any such emotion. In fact, people asked me about that. But what I realized in hindsight, is that I got to a place where I began to feel a lack of trust Hmm. toward God. That I felt like he couldn't really manage... um, he, he, He wasn't trustworthy enough that I could give him all of my issues and he would come through for me. That's what I subconsciously began to imbibe as truth. And Faith comes by hearing, according to the scriptures, and by hearing the word of God. It's not hearing the word of God preached on Sunday. That's not what it Mm -hmm. is. Faith comes by hearing what you're speaking to yourself on a consistent basis. For good or for bad, negatively or positively. And I began to really believe and buy into that idea that it wasn't God's fault. He didn't fly the plane. Those were the words I used. So I was never angry at God. But I started to to, to feel a lack of trust that he would intervene in situations and circumstances that really mattered to me and bring deliverance. So that was the first uh, place where I began to um, process my grief and break it down. And I realized through help, I spoke to someone. And as we talk through this, I'm going to talk about a little bit more some of the steps that I think you can take. But I spoke to someone who confronted me in some really, really powerful ways, ways that exposed some issues in me that I didn't even realize were there. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: it was beautiful because the problem of processing grief and anger by yourself is it's guaranteed to lead to depression because grief and anger don't change facts. The facts are you've lost a loved one Mm -hmm. and it's devastatingly painful. Well, those facts are not going to change. Mm And all that grief and anger does is it leads you to depression. Whereas if you are able to unpack and process the things that you've had to walk through, it's why, you know, we talk about this, this phrase is a common phrase, uh, it's sort of a cliche. We talk about the cycle of grief. And in the context of a cycle of grief, I, I would actually suggest that grief is only a cycle In that, you are constantly feeling those emotions, different, varying emotions. Some of those emotions like anger, bargaining, denial, depression, acceptance, all of those are emotions in the cycle of grief. But here's what I want people to understand. It's not a cycle in a set pattern or you mm-hmm. go through denial, then you'll get to anger, then you'll get to bargaining, then you'll get to uh, uh, um, maybe depression, and then uh, acceptance. And then you'll either be out of it, or you'll recycle it. Nonsense. You might go through denial, get to anger, go back to denial. Get to depression, go back to denial. Okay. Get to bargaining, go to anger. You know, it's 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 so it's only a cycle in that... You're constantly sort of the gerbil on a wheel, feeling all of those differing emotions, but they are not a cycle in that you can check them, check the box. OK, I'm, I'm done with anger. I'm done with grief. So you need people and processes to help you navigate through that state, through that, the, 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 the emotions that you're feeling from
0: loss. Yeah, I completely agree, Pastor Joseph. Um, I went through a series of compound grief uh, impacts as well. I lost my mentor, which was would have been the dad I chose if I could have chosen a father, right? So it's like losing a father when you've got a mentor that you're that close with. I then lost my dad as well. And there were, I think you alluded to it in some of the counseling that you got, there were a lot of father issues, that had informed my life and had done those things where then I lost my wife. Then I lost a key business partner about a year ago and my brother a few months ago. So it has been over the past 10 years, almost exactly the same pattern that you speak of, where about every two years and, and now almost even quicker, I can count on a major loss in, in my life. And, and for me, it has almost reinforced my faith because I realized how fleeting everything is that I rely on in this world, right? And and I'm trying to transcend out of that to realize that I need to rely on something a lot more of a solid foundation as opposed to uh, this world and and the people and the things around me. Um, But I wanna get back to a point that you made and one that I see that a lot of widowers struggle with. Many of them get hung up in their anger and that angry stage of the grief cycle, and and they turn their anger upwards. They turn their anger, and they're they're mad, and they're blaming God now for what they're going through. And that becomes a real barrier for them, either finding faith that they had, or even maintaining maybe good faith that they had going into this. Um, talk about that that anger.
1: Okay, that's really good. I, I like that. So I'll start with what may seem to be trite. I am not trying to be trite and I'm not making trite of people's grief. I'm just trying to highlight how absurd it is to turn your anger upwards. Would you blame the minister of transportation for all the road accidents? Is he responsible? No. It's individual choices. People are driving. It may not be your problem, but maybe someone is driving drunk on the road heading towards you and hits your car and kills you and family members. It's not your fault. It's their fault. But it's not the minister of transportation's fault. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do you. You don't blame the speed limits. You don't blame any of those things. But it's interesting how, as Christ followers, when something doesn't go the way we want, we turn our anger upwards. We blame God. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. And here's the thing that I need to say about that, that God is writing a macro story about his creation, humanity. I, like, I saw a quote one time. Um, you, you may not agree with the way God runs his world, but you are not God and you don't have a world. The point is this, that because God is writing a macro story, of our lives are micro stories within the macro story he's telling. Mm -hmm. And just like any good movie, there's intrigue, suspense, loss, pain, hurt, joy, celebration, all of those emotions that make up a great story are embedded in the macro story that God is writing. And sometimes our micro story is in that chapter of pain and grief. But just like going to see a really good movie that has all of those elements, you don't walk out of the movie theater 20 minutes into the movie because the protagonist is in bad shape and is in trouble and things seem to be falling apart for him. You stay till the end. And because God is the macro storyteller, there are things that you don't see. Life is on a continuum. Mm -hmm. You and I are here in the journey of the story. So all we know is this part, the past, what we've experienced. But God sees from here to here. And he knows that in order for us to get here effectively and successfully, we have to go through this. Perfect example, Tom, you. Five years ago, your beautiful, precious wife died after 19 years of marriage. Your soul. Mm-hmm. But look where you are now. Look at how many lives are being touched because of your pain and grief. But if you had been asked before she died, are you willing to lose her so you can get to this place? You would have said, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But God is telling this macro story. And in the macro story, your story intersects with the stories of so many others who need healing and restoration from their pain. And so you have walked through, you know how the Bible says it. It says God comforts us in our own troubles so that we may comfort others with the same comfort we have received when mm-hmm. they go through their own trouble. That's yeah. the macro story. So the micro story is fraught sometimes with pain and hurt and loss and all that. But if you can just embrace the fact that God is telling a bigger story and he has trusted you with pain, why is it a trust? Because he knows you have two options. You can turn away from him and curse him and deny him, or you can turn deeper into him, which is what you have chosen to do, Mm -hmm. Tom, and have out of that birthed this ministry to widows and widowers. So that's a trust. God trusted you with the loss of your wife because God is not hes sovereign, but he's given us free will. Mm -hmm. You are not a mannequin or a puppet on a string, nor am I. We get to make our own choices. So when God saw your full story and saw where you would be and saw where he desired for you to be healing other men, he knew that he had to allow the loss of your wife to bring you to that place. But he had no guarantees that you would allow that loss and pain to shape you into the man you've become. It may have turned you to drinking and drugs and illicit sex, and everything else that would have pulled you further away, free will. But you chose the better part. That is the key of faith in the journey of loss. I tell you this, Tom, when people don't have faith in a relationship with God, I am baffled as to how they navigate grief. I have no clue. I couldn't even begin to give counsel to someone who had said, I don't believe in God, but I've lost a loved one and I need help. I, I cannot help you. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what to say or where to begin. Because faith is the bedrock, the foundation, the jumping off point into navigating grief.
0: Uh, Pastor Joseph, I could not have made it to where I am today without some of those losses that I spoke about. In particular, my wife was the one who served others. She dedicated her life to that. She helped so many through the cancer process uh here in central florida and was a mentor to many who were going through the sickness um i kind of relied on her to do that and until i lost her i kind of didn't realize um that i would have continued to rely on her to do the things in the community while i went and did the things in business right and until i lost my business partner at a very young age um, he died of covid recently Um, I think I was still, thank you. I I still was enamored with the business world as being my mission and my purpose. And it was through the loss of Brian that I realized that, you know, there's a a better way to do things. Uh, And so each one of these became a catalyst to, I think, get me to find my purpose. And I tend to be, uh, we have a Sicilian expression called stunad, thick-headed. and Pastor Joseph, I'm, I'm quite thick-headed. It takes a lot to get me to change and to do things sometimes. But when I do get them in my head, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm passionate about it. So, But I do think I, he needed a lot of work on me to get me back in the right direction. And uh, But I'm blessed to be able to have finally recognized what it was that I needed to do going forward and to create this ministry of service. And, and I really think that as a widower, it's really important that – we don't get stuck in our loss, right? We don't get stuck in, we, we've lost our identity in a lot of ways through the loss. Like when I lost Judy, could have a
1: been, lot. It the wrong thing to start.
0: Yeah, it could have been, right? But my identity was in being, you know, the provider to my family and as a husband. And then I see a lot of people when they go through a loss, like being a widower, all of a sudden, like, well, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of God. Uh, I'm a victim of loss. I am now a widower. And they replaced that ego, which was a husband and a provider and a a problem solver, now being a a widower and a victim. Talk about ways to kind of not have that happen or to get out of it if you feel like you're in that victim mentality.
1: That's a great place to begin because uh, this notion Um, of – experiencing loss and then feeling like the victim and being stuck in the cycle of grief uh, and, and largely of anger and um, um, depression, bitterness, all of that. I would say to those who've experienced loss that it's important that they recognize first and foremost that they're on a journey. And a journey, uh, there's an ancient Chinese problem that declares a journey of a 1,000 miles begins with a single step. Mm -hmm. That is reality. That means for this journey, to get out of grief, you have to be willing to take a step in a different direction that you've been going. It's very hard to do because you've become myopic Mm -hmm. uh, in the pain and you have tunnel vision. All you see is your pain and your victimhood. Um, And so it's very difficult to take a step outside of that Which is why, here's some things you really need. You really need to talk to someone. You must talk to someone. Why? It it ideally should be a mental health professional, but it doesn't even have to be. It can be someone like you, Tom, who has walked the same road. Mm -hmm. Because... Someone else helps give you perspective that you don't have in the moment. Mm -hmm. You just don't have it. And so your first step is being willing to talk to someone, to open up honestly. So this idea, it just shows you how powerful the human ego, especially the male ego is, because of the way culture has taught us. Strong men don't cry. Strong men don't do this. Strong men don't do this. All of that is a lie from the pit of hell. If you're not crying, you're not a strong man. You're a weak man because you're hiding the true things that you feel. It takes strength to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And vulnerability means you're willing to acknowledge you're wrong, you're willing to weep, you're willing to hurt, and you're willing to seek counsel to take a different direction, to know that the road I've been on is not the right road, I need to take a a, a different direction. That takes strength, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is talk to someone. The second thing I think that is critical is... uh, In order to to take a step in a different direction out of your anger, you need to write. You need to write copiously. I'm talking about the journal. Here's why. I'll give you another example, uh, and you'll understand where I'm coming from. So when my sister died, if you've paid any attention to my social media, you'll realize that 90% of my social media is geared towards ministry. In other words, I'm not the social media guy, and I'm not judging others. It's just not me. I don't post what meal I cooked last night, what I'm having for dinner tomorrow, where I went and played golf. I don't post those kind of posts. It's just not me. I'm not judging people who do. My social media is geared towards outreach, ministry, talking about the love of God and sharing things that he's... uh, invested in me that he's shown me or taught me from through my experience or learning or growth. I call them lessons along the way. But there are these moments when my sister died. I, don't, I, I can only say it was God who inspired this. I started to keep a public journal. Mm. I didn't know that's what I was doing. But here's every day for 30 days following her death, I would write on Facebook about my raw emotions, my feelings, my hurt. But I would always point it back to, but God, I trust you. In one form or another, I would express that at the end. I would pour out my hurt, my emotions and all that. I was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end, about maybe day 24, 25, as I said, I did it for 30 days. It wasn't a plan. I just, towards the end of 30 days, I felt like I didn't need to do this anymore. But about day 24, I had two different friends separately reach out to me, one from London in the UK and one from Nigeria. And both of them wrote and said, you have no idea how the last 20-something days in which you have been writing, you have brought tremendous healing for us. Because these were people who had also lost loved ones in the same flight in which my sister was killed. 166 people were killed. And so they were reaching out to me telling me that, My writing became their catharsis, their healing, their their process of navigating through pain and understanding it and then turning it back to Jesus. And they said, you should write a book about this. And so I did. I took, I compiled all of those things and I wrote a book called Imagine Say. And I, I, I can explain that, but it's unnecessary. Imagine Say, imagine if this was not your journey. Or, uh, or imagine if you had to walk through this, what would you do? So I, I wrote that book. My point is this. The healing that I experienced in writing mm-hmm. was incredible because it's almost as if you're emptying poison out of your system. The 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 buildup of pain and grief and anger and bit, you're pouring it out of your system. That's the best way I can describe it. I'm not uh, a... Professor in any sense of um, mental health. So I, I don't know all the technical terms, but that's how it felt to me. But it was impacting other people's lives in a similar manner. Mm-hmm. So I got so many people reaching out to me
0: talking about that. Yeah. But pastor, the best I think, of- yeah, the the term pouring out, I think, is important in that you're saying the first steps need to be that pouring out, the pouring out to a friend, a confidant, a mental health professional, a pastor. Pour out what you're feeling, pour out via a pen and a piece of paper or a typewriter or a computer what you're feeling, whether it be a, a blog, a journal. Um, for me, uh, web, the web and poems is how I do it. Um, but you've got to pour that out. Otherwise, it will overwhelm you. You are filled with grief. and And if you don't get it out, it will just stay there and well up and fester. But it requires vulnerability mm-hmm. to be willing to pour out your hard, raw emotions. But,
1: Tom, here's the best part of it, of, of that pouring out. It's not just the healing that happens in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's the ability. Do you know, I have gone back. Keep in mind, this was 2012. My sister was killed 10 years ago. Mm, sorry. But I still, from time to time, I'll open up that book, Imagine say And I'll start to read. And I'll start to weep. Because I can feel the raw emotions. You see, because it's easy to forget emotions.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: you've got, it's like a woman giving birth. They say there is no pain like the pain of childbirth in the world. We have to accept that because you and I have never experienced it. Mm-hmm. So the pain of childbirth. But the Bible is clear. As soon as that baby has been born, the woman forgets her pain. Mm-hmm. Which is why she can have another baby again. I mean, the worst pain ever in the world, and then you experience it again, but it's because you can forget your pain. Mm -hmm. Well, in that sense, it's a good thing to forget your pain in childbirth, but not so in loss. Because if you forget your pain, it is out of the place of your pain that you are able to bring counsel and healing
0: Mm -hmm. to other people. Mm -hmm. Not say your grief
1: or your anger. I said the place of your pain. Pain builds strength. It's just like the gym. Pain builds muscles. Yeah. It's not when you're lifting those weights that you're gaining muscle. You're tearing the muscle in that process and it's incredibly painful. But the end result of that, when you're resting, is your muscles are rebuilding. All those fibers, those sinuous muscle fibers that have torn are being reconnected, which is why your body shape gets stronger and bigger uh, because muscle is developed. It's the same thing with pain. Even the world says no pain, no gain. No
0: pain. So somebody
1: <laughs> the world has an understanding of that fact.
0: Yeah. Pastor Joseph, you know, the anger is one way that people express their, their grief. Another one that we've seen a lot of widowers go down the path of is suppression, right? Uh, yeah. And particularly medicating the loss with alcohol, with drugs, with overindulgence, sex, food, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, with their purpose and identity long, they turn to a different lifestyle, maybe a, a wrong, destructive direction, and they're overindulging to kind of suppress that pain. Um, talk about that a little bit and what you've seen there or how, how if someone is in that, that cycle, that they can maybe get themselves out of that.
1: Well, that, I, I'm so glad you asked that question, Tom, and, and I would um, keep in mind, as I give my answers understand that I speak from the benefit of having other cultural perspectives. I'm Nigerian, I grew up in the UK, in England. I've lived on just about every continent and I've spent the last 30 something odd years in America. I say that to say, I've been exposed to different cultural expressions and Mm -hmm. how they respond to the challenge of loss and grief and how they navigate it. And I would say, here's what I found in the West, because we're talking specifically about the West right now, and more specifically about America, people who you're ministering to here for the most part, of course, because uh, the world has been made smaller by the Internet. You're also ministering to people globally. But let me speak specifically to here. Have you ever heard of the phrase Disney princess theology?
0: I have not. Even though we live right here,
1: I should. Explain to you this concept of Disney princess theology. You see, if you look at the Disney stories about the princesses, mm-hmm. they are always the good people who are treated badly. Something mm-hmm. bad happens, but at the end, they triumph and they are successful, and life is all well and good. You yeah. kiss the frog, and, oh, yeah, it comes oh, yeah. and some praise. Yeah, Dis- Disney princess theology. Here's why it, we call it Disney princess theology because the Western church largely is built on Disney princess theology. We see ourselves as the princess, the hero in the story, never the villain, never the one who uh, has made choices or decisions that are ultimately destructive and bad and cause us pain. We are the ones who have been treated poorly and life so. I say that to say this, that the suppression comes from the, the fact that uh, uh, whether it's a suppression of faith or a suppression of, of the emotions and all that, it's because it all roots back down to anger. Yeah. It's just a muted form of anger. And it's because we had expectations that God didn't meet. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, the story isn't about us. I go back to the macro story. There's a macro story that God is telling. And you and I are just micro stories within the macro. And that means for us, the critical key is obedience. Obedience. That he, the writer of the story, can see the entire vista of the story from beginning to end. Where you and I only see the present and the past. But he sees the entire story. So he says, this is how I want you to respond to that. In the moment of pain, it's very hard to respond, to take a leap off a cliff that is covered by cloud, so you don't know what you're leaping into. Mm -hmm. But you realize that when God says leap, it may be the leap off that cliff is just the two feet. You don't know because you can't see the ground. There's cloud cover. And even if it's not to two feet, even if it's to 100 feet, the Bible says he has underneath are the everlasting arms. He's there to catch you, to support you. So I think that the key to navigating through the idea of suppression is obedience. Again, remember I said I'm, I can only give counsel to those who are in Christ. I have no counsel for grief, for people who don't have a relationship. With, I don't know what to tell you other than turn to Christ. So for those who are in Christ, obedience is the key. Obedience to do what he says, trust him, to reach out to him, to cry, the Bible says, cry out to me and I will show you great and mighty things fenced in and hidden that you do not even know what to say know the thoughts I have towards you. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a future and a hope. So all of those are true. That's why you must be obedient to do what he said because God doesn't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. So ultimately there is a way out. Even if you don't see it, obedience to his word is the way out.
0: Now, Pastor Joseph, you indicated that through your compound losses and the compound grief you were experiencing that you started to have doubts yeah. that that maybe that obedience and that trust that there was chinks in it right um and i know there have been times when i've been on my new path where i was like wow this is this is really uncomfortable um am i doing what I need to be doing, you know. Do I continue on this path or not? Um, putting a lot out there. So how do we how do we gain that
1: Especially. that trust
0: back? Maybe if we've lost it, or how do we gain it if perhaps it wasn't even there? Great, talk to people. For me, mm-hmm. that's. Do you know that when my sister died,
1: in my writing every day, of course people would leave comments on my posts. Mm-hmm most of them were what I considered trite, empty, stupid. They meant well. I know mm-hmm. they meant well. But they just did nothing to help me. Someone even said something like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Let God be your sister. Really? What does that mean? Let God You know, it's this Christianese. You just you, they meant well. I have no doubt. Sure. But do you know the people who spoke the most to my heart? for people who had experienced loss. One of them wrote to me, he said this. He said, I cannot pretend to understand what you are going through. I'm so deeply sorry for your loss. I just know that pain and grief are real because my wife and I lost our daughter. Yeah. I that and I thought, wow, you can't understand? Your pain is greater than mine. No parent should bury a child. This was my sister. Yeah, that's painful enough. My baby sister. But a child? And yet this person is saying, I can't pretend to understand your pain. Yes, you do. But that's my point. People who have walked through grief and pain really understand how to encourage others. It was statements like another one, a friend of mine who we went to school together back all those years ago uh, in Nigeria. But he lives in California now. He had lost his brother. He reached out to me similarly. I don't pretend to understand your pain, but I do know the pain of loss. And those were the things that we might. And all of these guys are Christ followers who had a strong faith and navigated. And I just thought, if they can do it, so must I. Yeah. I must be obedient. That's how I revived my faith. It was talking to people who had walked a similar journey, which is why what you're doing, Tom, is just an incredible work. I'm telling you, you probably have no concept of how big this thing might get. Soon you might go viral in that people with grief all over the country, all over the world will suddenly start calling into you, reaching out to you for help and assistance. So just be prepared to have, I love the fact that you're, I know you're working on a manuscript to a book that uh, that will help people navigate. So that's really good. But just be aware of that, that this is so well needed.
0: Pastor Joseph, if I could just help one or two people, because I know I went through the beginning part of this journey somewhat alone. Um, You know, there were certainly people around me and friends around me that meant well, but I didn't have... For a while, I didn't have a mental health counselor to go see, and when I did find one, that helped immensely. So, highly encourage that. I didn't have a church or a Bible study to go to. I found that much, much later in the journey, and I didn't have fellow widowers. That you know, there were no groups. There were no um, kind of a tribe that I found that I could share my stories with. And so part of this started because a local gentleman lost his wife, and someone encouraged me to go and grab him for coffee. And I saw how it helped him, and how me talking, even though he was recent in his yeah. loss, mine was some while ago. But talking to him really renewed my yeah, faith something. and got and got me to help healing. He helped me as much as I helped him. Exactly. I like, There's something there with the sharing, Pastor Joseph, where. I think as we share our feelings and, and we're able to get it out there, we can heal and we can help to bolster each other's faith.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, So you, you just highlighted a number of things. A mental health counselor, a church family, um, and a group of people who have experienced similar to what you've experienced. But all of these are sources of communication and connection. I think the one other thing that we haven't addressed that helps in this process tremendously is exercise. That sounds crazy. But did you know that even science, medical science, has shown that uh, there are, uh, um, aside from the endorphins that kick in, there are specific scientific processes that happen in your brain that are engaged when you exercise that help you navigate depression and all of that. And, and it's out there, there's studies out there. So I'm not just spewing this. People can do the research themselves and find. So that is real. exercise is a critical part of stress relief for me. I exercise six days a week and uh, at almost 60 years old, I'm committed to uh, really uh, uh, not only physically being healthy, but making sure that I- I'm mentally and emotionally healthy. And I find that exercise, is the way to all of those steps. So it's it's brilliant for me.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it was, Pastor Joseph, the first steps I took were those physical steps. So we talk about, you know, to get out of that grief cycle, you do have to take one step. And for you, it was a faith step and a journaling step and kind of getting it out there. Um, for me, I didn't have that. But I did have the ability to go out and run. Uh, I did have the ability to go and listen to a you know, growth podcast to improve my mind. So for me, I worked on body and mind really intensely and then finally found my way back around to the spirituality that I had when I was young. Thank, thank God for that. But um, the exercise was really important because when I improved what went into my body, which was get off the alcohol, And I've been sober now for five years, cold turkey the day after my wife passed. Started to take steps out of my bed every day and exercising first thing in the morning. So I was taking positive steps for myself and my healing every day and that in my body. And then making sure I was putting the right things into my mind that were all positive from listening to other people's stories of great tragedy, uh, Navy SEALs who had gotten blown up, who were able to bring themselves back to life and back to purpose, um, you know, um, uh, endurance athletes and what they, the Iron Cowboy and uh, guys like that who were able to do these incredible things physically. Um, it gave me the right mindset. It gave me the right healthy, um, what was going into my body, and then the exercise to help grow that part of it. And those were all those positive steps that I think really kept me out of depression and kept me moving forward.
1: But, Tom, think about this. You know, exercise influences neural growth in the brain.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Scientifically, it's been said. Did you know that um, the statistic, the scientific statistic physiologically is that if you run for 15 minutes a day or walk for an hour a day, you reduce the risk of depression by 26%. Wow. I didn't make that up. Uh, These are all uh, in um, journals of uh, physiology and psychology. Mm -hmm. 26% reduction for running 15 minutes a day. So all of those are critical factors in the process of towards healing and, and navigating your cycle of grief.
0: Critical. Totally agree. And it starts with one step. I know you're, you do six days a week, I think, Pastor Joseph, looking at you. have done that for a long time in your life, probably, right?
1: I've been doing that for a long time. So that has nothing to do. No, we're not asking anybody to do
0: six days a Go yeah.
1: out and just walk. Walk for 30 minutes. Yep. Walk for 30 minutes, three days a week, at a little quicker pace than just a stroll. For three days a week. Start there. Start somewhere. Yeah. And When you're walking, put some music or a podcast on that can engage you. You don't even realize the passage of time there. You work up a good sweat. You feel much better. Your endorphins kick in and you're also getting spiritually fed. How cool is that? I
0: mean,
1: (laughs) what an incredible way to navigate life. I I love that.
0: I know. And if you could put on like the Bible app, which I do every morning, I'll take a walk in the park, um, a little bit more leisurely stroll, but still a walk in the park with, um, you know, my uh, my spiritual. uh, Passages and. uh, basic programs that are there. I'll do the same with the growth podcast and do a longer walk with that. Uh, What a great way to, again, program body and mind so that you can stay out of that depression loop. Yeah. Pastor Joseph, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our growth warriors, our widowers with today? So
1: if I was to formulate all that we've talked about into a single statement, I would say, Your story is about the journey more than it is about the destination. Now think about that. All of the pain and everything—that's that's that's the story God is telling through your life. It's not the destination; it's the journey. That's the story that's impacting people. Your wife's death wasn't your destination;
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it's part of your journey. And look how it's making a difference in people's lives now. So your story. It's about the journey. Yeah. If you can think about it that way, then it's easier to navigate loss and pain and grief only because you realize that God is trusting you to tell a story with your life that impacts more people.
0: Yeah. And I, I encourage the widowers, you know, what is the story? You know, what 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 has the loss informed in your story? And and where where would you like your story to go? Where is your well, happy yeah. Your story is not over. That's the other big thing is that, you know, when I look back at the loss of Judy, it was an enormous loss in my life, business partner, mother to two children. But it was the start of this new journey and new chapter in my story that's a powerful one. What, what is it for you personally that, you know, will, will spark that new chapter in your life uh, in a story that is far from over?
1: Yeah, I no. love that. I love that. Yeah.
0: Pastor Joseph, how can people find and reach you online?
1: So, the best way to get a hold of me is either on our website, which is uh, rehobothhomecare.com, rehobothhomecare.com, R E H O B O T H, homecare.com, all one word, or you can reach me at joseph at rehobothhomecare.com.
0: Awesome, so, uh, and Pastor uh, Joseph.
1: we do a lot of things. We have a, a ministry called uh, Primal Purpose. Uh, I do a podcast called Open Spaces, so you can with Joseph Thompson. So you can find all of those online too.
0: Excellent. I will include because I think the uh, podcast would be a great one to share. I'm going to include that in the uh, notes in the transcript notes to Open Spaces. I'll also include your LinkedIn address so people can reach out and find you and and look at That's your profile. Awesome. And know for sure that your fitness is as big a part as the spirituality in your life, Pastor Joseph. I look forward to uh, grabbing you maybe for a future session where we can explore faith further, and for your yeah, absolutely, and for your guidance on our faith purpose in helping the widowers. So thank you so much for My for joining us, and for everyone listening. Please, if you liked what you heard, please hit the like. Uh, Be sure to sign up so you know of the latest episodes, subscribe to stay up to date. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.